Hey everyone, I'm Johnny. I'm Victoria. Welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook. And we'll rank each book in a variety of categories, including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. This week's featured cookbook is... Coconut and Sambal by Laura Lee. Hey, Johnny. Hey, good afternoon, Victoria. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. All right. It was kind of a rough week for me, but yeah? I'm, I'm feeling better. That's good. Yeah. Warm you wet. say yeah like you didn't know it was a rough <laughs> week for me. You, you were you were sadly a firsthand. I'm, I'm pleading the fifth. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Uh, we'll get a few housekeeping things out of the way per normal. Uh, if you go to our website, which is wecookbooks.com, you'll see a store tab that will direct you to our amazon.com affiliate page. And we've got a couple lists up there, Kitchen Essentials for Home Cooks, as well as some of our favorite cookbooks that we've featured over on the Instagram. And best of all, if you make a purchase from either of those lists, uh, we get a few pennies in return. It doesn't cost you anything more. And it's a great way that you can support us for what we're doing and get a little something in return. And thanks to everyone that's been doing that because every little bit helps. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's talk about what we're uh, working on next. Go ahead. Uh, Parwana. And I'm going to butcher the name if I do it. Would you like me to do it? Durkani Ayube, I believe is how you pronounce the name. Yes. I'm so bad at this. That's okay. Um, Afghan cuisine. Mm -hmm. Something we're not too familiar with, although we've had it before. But um, this Um, is going to be a good one. Hold on. You forgot another author. Farida Ayube. Yeah, that's who did the the recipes. I think it's the mother, correct? Yeah, Awesome. But, I mean, it's both of them, so might yeah. as well just announce both of them. Kind of like the Indianish, uh, yeah, kind of, yeah, vibe going on with the uh, with the you know um, using mom's recipes. Yeah. All right. So tonight for dinner we are doing. Um, so there's this. Unless you've been living under a rock, like or me, you're, or you're old like us. Yeah, I've, and you I'm don't totally do, unfamiliar with, and this. you don't have TikTok or you are not into it. Um, but since I am on Twitter, a lot of stuff from TikTok goes on to Twitter and there's that baked feta in tomatoes and then you add pasta to it. And I accidentally bought too much feta for something that we were doing last week, like a, a whole pound too much. So we decided that this is what we are going to do with it. Yep. Your your overzealous feta purchase has resulted in <laughs> Great. an internet sensation pantry meal that we're well, going to whip together. Hopefully this this is better than that gross Delongo Delonga coffee. Man, oh that was there was lots of people that was real that were really enjoying that though. Ooh, shit's gross. We were not, we were not those people. Uh oh, uh, uh-uh. yuck. We, I think we made it once and we're like, Ugh. yeah, nope, no, hard pass. <laughs> hey. Can I rant a second? Absolutely. Just, you know, before we dive into the show topic for this week, uh, the use of home chef or amateur chef um, drives me bananas. Don't do it, people. There's there's people like my beautiful wife that actually went to culinary school and worked in the profession and has the student loan debt and Ugh. scars on her arms from 
burns and cuts to to show for it. See, and even I would not call myself a chef. Yeah. I was a cook. Yeah. Like, you know, I've never run, I didn't run a kitchen myself. Yeah. So there is No shame is that. in saying that you're a avid home cook, which is kind of what I would consider ourselves these days. Um, but to call yourself a home chef, amateur chef, what have you, does a disservice to all those hardworking people in the industry that actually have the training, skill, profession, sacrifice, all that stuff. So that's my rant. I mean, if you ever get a cut, I can stitch it up because I am an amateur doctor. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I've, I've been doing a little uh, couch lawyer law practicing, okay. you know. All right. I kind of consider myself like a home lawyer. <laughs> Amateur lawyer. So if anyone out there needs any legal advice, Johnny's your man. Don't call me. It would be a disaster. Ooh, I love that you uh, just went on this little rant. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's okay. It, it was just something that was fresh on my mind, and I, I see it happen so often, and it's 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 bothersome. Yeah, what are you gonna do? I mean, I'm not nuts about it. I'm not gonna like you know go on to someone's page, go something. on to someone's page, and start yelling at them. Be yeah. like. Fuck off with that. You're not, you're not a chef. I'm just, I got, I got opinions about lots of stuff and this is just one of them. Of course you do. All right. <laughs> well, before we dive into this book, let's talk about our show topic of the week. And we put this out to everyone on social media and got some wonderful responses. What is the oldest item or items in your refrigerator? And uh, you want to start with some listener submissions? Yeah. Let's uh, do it. Dorothy M said desiccated tamarind. Which is funny because we have like a block of tamarind pulp in our fridge that I think we've had for about a year. Yeah. So and we've used it for a few things. Yes. I mean, yes. I'm sure we probably bought it originally for Something, a recipe. Yeah. But we made some tamarind salt mm-hmm. for when we were working our way through the Burmese Superstar book. Um, and we, we used it for something recently too. Yeah. Just dissolved a little bit in some water and made up a little paste. So good one. Oh, this this is a good one. Uh, Martin F. Um, <laughs> a crystal Pepsi that hasn't been safe to drink since 2017. And he was not lying. There is an actual picture of it. Yeah. Define safe though. I think I think you could drink it and still be fine. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what is it? It's corn syrup and water. Yeah. And there's no there's no coloring in Plenty it. Plenty of life left in it. I remember drinking crystal. You could pass that on to your ancestors. I remember drinking crystal diet Pepsi. I have a very actually I have a very okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off on a little tangent here. I have a very, very vivid memory of drinking it because it was after I had quit gymnastics and then I decided to go work out with my old coach in the gym uh during one of his classes and I was felt awful and out of shape and I was drinking a crystal Pepsi oh. and I never felt worse about myself ever. Do you think that was the cause or the cure for your ailment? It didn't do anything to help or hurt the situation. All right. It's so just something that I remember. What's lacking in the crystal Pepsi that makes it crystal instead of like regular Pepsi? Caramel coloring. Okay. Just didn't catch on though. I no. remember there was that brief little period where everything had to be clear. Clear, yes. It was like a trend. Ooh, and the Zima. Oh, I loved Zima. Ooh. Didn't it make a comeback? I feel like it made a comeback very quietly. And I think there kinda... were some urban legends that said you could drink as much of you as you wanted and it wouldn't show up on a breathalyzer. So like teenagers everywhere were guzzling Zima. 
thinking that they could drive drunk and <laughs> not suffer any consequences. As don't do as, that at home, kids. As long as I don't get caught. If I can put it's my okay. amateur lawyer hat on for a second, <laughs> don't do it, kids. <laughs> Johnny says, <laughs> um, Doug H uh, said sourdough starter that uh, dates back to 2010. Ooh, that's impressive. It is. I am deeply impressed. I mean, sourdough is all the rage right now during the pandemic, but he was kicking it back in 2010. Head of the game. Yeah. Good job. We, we got a few uh, contributions mentioning uh, sourdough starter. So not not alone with that one. Um, let's see. Our friend Melissa B said it's probably a pickle or jelly, something that was lost and forgotten in the back of the fridge behind everything else. <laughs> Isn't that always how it is? That's kind of what we did when we took our own fridge inventory is I was just like, go to the back, look in the back, because you know, if there's anything really old in there, that's where it's going to be tucked away. Well, but here's the thing. He, Johnny just actually cleaned out the fridge earlier this week Yep, in like this crazy fit of wanting to clean. He was like, we're living in a dump. (laughs) He took everything out of the fridge, took the shelves out, scrubbed them down. I think for us personally, a better question would have been like oldest thing in your home bar. Because we we still got a bottle of elderflower liqueur that we bought for a drink. And it's, it's still, we, we can't give it away. Well, it's, it's been sitting there like, and we and I was so excited because we used it to make a cocktail a few weeks ago, and I thought that would kill it. Nope, still nope, some left. Didn't didn't it's quite the, use it. It's I'm, the spirit that won't leave. I mean, but here's the thing too. And when we are doing uh, cocktail recipes, if we see something that has elderflower in it, and I don't particularly like elderflower, no. But we're like, okay, let's make it so we can <laughs> use our elderflower. Remember that bottle of Aquavit that we had? I think we've talked about it like 17 times okay. on here. <laughs> but th- that, was, that was an old one. Yes. Oh, there you had a bottle of Cuddy Sark when I first met you. Nice. And we moved in together. How the hell did I acquire that? I have no idea. I don't remember ever drinking that ever it came in to my us life. With, it came with us to Chicago. Do wow. you not remember that? Vaguely, but I just am more baffled about how I originally acquired it. Like if someone like brought it over at a party and see, that's a good, you know, if we can get back to attending house parties again, that'd be a great way to get rid of some of this stuff is we can just show up with a bottle of elderflower liqueur. That's and like, like got an inch. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone would be like, who invited these jerks? Real classy. <laughs> All right. Back, back to the fridge ingredients. Uh, condensed milk from 2012. That comes from our friend John T. on Facebook. Um, 2012. That's impressive. Right? 10-year-old condensed milk. Um, Let's see what else. We've got tahini. Yep. You know what is funny is we had... Well, we go through tahini like Kleenex now. We use it all the time. But before we started this project, we had a jar of tahini... And it never got used. Well, ever. You know what you're supposed to do is um, obviously, like if you open it, the the liquid and solids tend to separate, so you give it a stir. But also, um, tip it upside down when you store it, and then just like kind of flip it and rotate it every like week or so, and that'll help keep it keep it uh, mixed up. Yeah, but we don't do that. I know we do, we do not. <laughs> I'm looking it's at con- it's not a concern for us. We use tahini. I had a tahini toast the other yes. day with some banana on it. It was delicious. As he's delivering these words of advice, I'm looking at him like this is brand new information this because is, we don't do this. This is for the people that keep the tahini on the shelf for years <laughs> on end, but uh not not really a consideration in our home. 
Um, let's see. Relish that ex- uh, Rosa Jane uh, eight said relish that expired in 2018. Plenty of life left on it. I'm I mean, sure. it's pickles. Yeah, that's I- that's still a young relish in my book. <laughs> <laughs> young relish. <laughs> uh, someone said baking soda, and that's that's a good one. We we keep some in our fridge, obviously, just to try and like you know. Trap the smells. Trap some odors and yes, stuff. Yes, and they and they we, we don't use it for cooking or anything. No, and they the this person sp- said it's specifically not for cooking. Yep. So, um, at Doug Choi said pickled mustard greens. Ooh, I bet that makes your fridge smell fragrant. Right. Just uh, just got some pickled mustard greens in there. Um, perpetually hungry said the oldest homemade stuff is a big tub of two-year-old kimchi. Whoa. And here I was like, we had just made some kimchi for a dish and it was, it's like probably a couple months old at this point. And I was all worried thinking like, oh, maybe we should get rid of this. And this person's got a two-year-old kimchi project in their fridge. But like, I don't, it's fermented. It's not going to go. I know, but it's going to get stronger and stronger. Right. And the problem with that is what? The refrigerator explodes. <laughs> okay. Like the Hulk. If you just say like so. busts out of its shirt. Sure thing, <laughs> Johnny. Kimchi. And then like all of a sudden your refrigerator just bursts. Okay. Yep. Read it on the internet, so it's gotta be true. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh another uh submission. Bottle of champagne from seven years ago. Correct that shit open yeah. find, a re- find a reason to celebrate there's always a reason to celebrate there's yes. always a reason for champagne yes uh ketchup mm-hmm. common yep. i would say probably ketchup mustard and pickles everyone's <laughs> got like jars in their refrigerator there's, that there's are multiple always years a old. jar with like one pickle floating <laughs> in it <laughs> And then, then it becomes like a party, a party game. Like <laughs> dare someone to drink it, along with that uh, elderflower liqueur. Like that's Wait, that's how we get rid of stuff. And you know, next time we are able to host a party, we dare someone to do a shot of elderflower liqueur and eat the lone solitary pickle. Well, I like our friends, so let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then another vote for sourdough starter, and I, I think that's probably. Pretty popular answer yes. these days. What do you have? For us, we have this hot mustard. Um, that was on my list. I have no idea. It's got to be several years old at this point. And yes. I, can't, I can't recall ever using it. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, <laughs> Asian grocery store staples, Chinese hot mustard kind of thing. I think we had it before we started the Instagram, too. Oh, probably. Plenty of life left in it. Okay. <laughs> what else do you have? Um, some Aunt Jemima syrup. Number one, you must have bought that because Aunt Jemima syrup is gross. Yes. <laughs> and offensive. But that's a whole, yeah, right? that's a whole other topic for another show. <laughs> well, here's my thing. For, for Since there's so many recipes that call for syrup as like a flavoring agent, you're, you're making up some kind of sauce or marinade or something. I like to keep the cheap stuff on hand if you're just trying to get that little flavor profile and then keep the good stuff, which we also do have in our pantry for well, like when you're making pancakes. Or, yeah, but you can buy the good stuff at Trader Joe's for like a dollar more. Oh, yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> Stuff's expensive. No. More expensive than gold. Okay. If you say so, yeah. Palmer. <laughs> uh, you have anything else on your list? 
you got to stop lying to these people. You're telling all sorts of untruths today. <laughs> Boy, that's that's unusual for this show. <laughs> Do not turn to us as like a source of uh, solid, reliable, researched information. We just say what we know. Yep. Um, uh, we too have a container of baking soda. Yep. You are the one that usually... Um, that usually changes it, so I have no idea how old it is. Yeah, it's not a regular schedule. Thing. <laughs> I don't have a reminder in my phone or anything. It's just whenever the urge strikes me. I, I, I swapped it out within the last year, though. Okay, well, so, thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, They actually sell packages now that are designed specifically to put in the fridge where you flip the lid and they've and got a got little... And it's got the little mesh yeah, on it. Yeah, okay, so you don't yeah. spill it all over the place. Um, we've got some preserved lemons in there yes. from July 21st of 20. I didn't even put that on my list. And yeah. That was the first thing I was thinking of yesterday. <laughs> that was actually one of the few things in the fridge that I bothered to like date and label. So <laughs> a lot of times stuff just goes in there and gets relegated to the back of the fridge. Yeah. Never to be used again. But uh, the preserved lemons, they'll last a good long time. Yes. 721. Nah, that's nothing. No, that, that isn't very old. Um, we have some wheat, wheat germ in there. And I couldn't tell you how old that is. I think I probably needed it for a baking project at some point. And now we've got, and it was probably like a tablespoon. And now we've got like this jar, jar of wheat, wheat germ, germ that yeah. will never get used. We have some malted milk in the pantry. Oh. Like malt powder. When did that appear? Um, I do not know. I know the last time I used it was about... A year and a half ago. Maybe a burglar broke in and left something <laughs> instead of took something and left some malted milk powder. Sure. Generous burglar. See, there he goes lying again. Yep. Uh, we have some sake that we've been trying to get rid of in our fridge. Um, it's not super old, but it's, it's like just a funny mu- that it's It's like a month and a half old, and I think it's probably not not good anymore. I don't know. Probably not. I, I really don't want to drink it and find out, but I also don't want to dump it. So the honorable mention, there's kind of a new recruit in the fridge because this is something that we acquired recently for a recipe. But I I, I think it's going to be the likely eventual winner of this whole contest. Cocktail onions. (gasps) Yes. There's a jar of cocktail onions that I can guarantee you I will never use ever again. I'm not going to make a Gibson or anything for a cocktail. So these things are going to sit in there until... Like we die and they find a jar of cocktail onions in the back of our fridge. I had that exact same thought this morning when I opened the fridge. I was like, those damn onions, <laughs> they're just going to stay here. They're just going to taunt me every what time did we I get those for. It was for, uh, there was a dish we did for a book. Well, and yeah, it was a garnish. of course. <laughs> we I don't mean, buy anything. No, no, that's, I, that's I, I couldn't tell you specifically. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was some kind of like a. A bowl, you know, like a okay. ramen type bowl was situation it, kind of was thing. Was it the, the chicken could, thing that we did for this? I don't think book? so. No? No. Oh, okay, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's a good segue. Coconut and some ball. Let's dive into this book. Um, as the name suggests, this is an Indonesian cookbook with uh, both coconut and sambal, particularly sambal being kind of a staple in Indonesian cooking. Um, probably not a cuisine that we've had super often. So this was kind of a fun thing to go a little deeper into. And we've never worked from an Indo- Indonesian book before. Yeah, I mean, and, and this is like an area that is quite vast, boasting over 700 languages 
a population of over 270 million people and consisting of 17,000 islands. So to, to summarize Indonesian cooking in just one cookbook might be a bit of a challenge, but I think this book did a pretty good job of drawing like recipes and influences from, from all over um, the country. And uh, yeah. All right. Let's talk. <laughs> Don't get too excited there. He's talking and I'm just looking at him like, <laughs> eyes are glazing over. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so let's talk about what we made from here. Um, first, we did an, an aromatic chicken noodle soto. Um, then we did a stir-fried vegetable cap, cap, cap K. And we did a crispy soy and ginger roast potato. Uh, chicken satay with peanut sauce. Um, banana fritters. And a peanut banana ice cream. You missed one. What did uh, I miss? Egg crepe rolls. <gasps> yes. We did a lot of stuff from this book. We did. It was a it was a full week of of stuff. Uh, that uh, chicken noodle soto is uh, kind of reminiscent of ramen, mm-hmm. wouldn't you say? Um, according to the Indonesian Ministry of Tourism, it's one of five national dishes. It was a good one. And it had a lot of moving parts. It did. Um, I'm glad there were two of us yep. to make it. Have a cooking buddy for yes. this one. Um, no complaints with that. The, the vegetable cap K was kind of like a Chinese uh, stir fry kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we added chicken to ours. Um, we y- Did you know that garden pea pods were also uh, referred to as mangatout? Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Learned a new thing when I was working through this through this recipe. I'd never heard that uh, term for garden pea pods. I hadn't either. It sounds fancy. It does. And can we talk a little bit about baby corn? Baby corn. I mean, aside from puppies, is there anything more adorable than baby corn? Probably, but we'll just pretend there isn't. Yep. Puppies are probably at the top of the list, and then baby corn second, I would say. <laughs> so that was a good one. <laughs> Um, we did those, uh, roast potatoes that were seasoned with soy and ginger in our air fryer. Yes. And were, were they supposed to be fried? They were. Yeah. So we didn't, we did not fry them. We did them in our air fryer per to usual. I feel save like, calories. Yeah. And, I feel like that's, that's our preferred method these days. If something calls for frying in oil, we'll just chuck it in the air fryer. Frying is just so messy. It is. Well, and we did have to keep it old school for the, uh, there were some, was it scallions, garlic and ginger that got mm-hmm. like fried in oil as, as like a garnish? Like, yeah, so they it's were, like, like a crispy aromatic type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, which I think we did a lot of in the Otolenghi book too. And it, it actually, it has a dipping sauce, but it um it says to put the dipping sauce over it. It's a sauce that goes over, but we turned it into a dipping sauce because I didn't want to pour it all over the potatoes and ruin and, that and delicious take, crispness. Take take the photo, and then by the time by the time we're done taking photos, then we've got some soggy potatoes. Yeah, and that's no bueno. Not good eats. Um, chicken satay. No strangers to our kitchen. No. That was very good. Uh, it introduced us to a uh, new condiment, uh, keycap manis, which is kind of like a soy sauce sugar blend. Mm-hmm. How'd you like that? Uh, it was fine. It just it would never occur to me to add sugar to soy sauce. Yeah, but 
That was a good. It works. One. Yeah. And then uh, these. Let's talk about these egg crepe rolls because this was kind of a fun one. So here's a rule to crepe making: the first one is always going to be bad. It's always going to fail. You're just kind of like seasoning your pan with the first one. It's like the sacrificial crepe. Yes. And uh, I love making crepes. They're super fun. I like. To me, it's so zen. And well, and these got filled with like some real thin, were they vermicelli noodles? Mm -hmm. And then uh, bok choy, mushroom, garlic, scallion. So there's this filling that you make that goes inside there. And then they're basically like, kind of like egg rolls after done, correct? Well, filled filled (laughs) crepes. (laughs) See, my job is to use the incorrect terminology. And then your job is to correct me. We literally get into fights over, (laughs) over, Incorrect terminology. So I'll be like, yeah, you know, it's like uh, we're gonna steam it. No, you're you're cooking it in its own liquid. You're braising, it's braising it. it. Yep. Yes. <laughs> so not egg rolls is what you're saying. Not egg rolls. Okay. <laughs> Filled crepes. All right. And then lastly, this was kind of a twofer. This was like a companion dish: banana fritters. And we we kind of uh, split up on this one. Because you did the ice cream. Yes. And I made the fritters. Yes. So this was a no-churn ice cream that was like peanut and banana. Delicious. Uh-huh. I think we ended up getting rid It yields a lot. And you can only eat so much of that. It's before you so just- freaking rich. It's rich. Really it's rich. It's really flavorful. It was delicious for the first like five or six nights. <laughs> and then I just had to cut my losses. <laughs> You know. I, I don't I don't think I ate any of it beyond what we had with the fritters. I, um, I, I hung in as long as I could. The fritters were really like they were huge. They were chock full of banana. They yep. were f- fried. It was like a yummy, yummy fried fritter. Yep. And we we I believe we ate the we ate them for brunch. Yeah. They're healthy. <laughs> yeah, wow. Right? <laughs> well, they also had coconut milk, butter, honey, banana, and brown sugar in them. Yes. Before you before you fry them. I had to do some extra sit-ups the next day <laughs> for that one. But uh, yeah, I mean, what what were your overall thoughts of the book? I, I loved it personally. Yeah? Yes. Eh? And well, I thought the flavors were all smiling. <laughs> you are cracking me up. I thought the flavors were all uh really spot on. Yeah. And- clean and beautiful. And, you know, th- there were some dishes that had a little bit of heat to it, but not everything that we ate was spicy. And I think that was like a misconception that, you know, just everything the Indonesian food is going to be like, you know, really, really spicy and bring in the heat. And, you know, it was, it was a mixed bag mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff. Um, should we move on to our ratings? Yes. All right. So we rate this in uh, four categories. Before we get to that, though, we'll go to... The most critical reviews on Amazon. And I found a couple of them that were like one out of five stars. And uh, you want to do the first one? All right. So this first one was anonymous and they gave it one out of five stars. Not what I'd hoped. I sent this back. I've spent some time in Indonesia and love the food. So I was really looking forward to making some of my favorite dishes at home. Unfortunately, the recipes in here feel a bit like an expat version of Indonesian food. They just lack finesse. Think meat piled in meat piled on noodles. The photography is also off-key. 
too hip London designer for my liking. Whoa, <laughs> throwing some shade. <laughs> what does that even mean? Whoa. And they misspelled too wrong. Yeah. Um, of course uh, they did. Yes. Um, and so it isn't especially a pleasure to browse either. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, since since this person visited Indonesia, they are truly, uh, they, obviously, an expert on the food. They so. spent some time there, is what they said. Well, they, they didn't tell yeah. us like why they were spending time there. Maybe they actually did some time there, and <laughs> they might have been exposed to a whole different uh, category of cuisine. Then, yeah, and, you who know, knows? They were hoping for crappy prison food. See, look at me creating this whole narrative I know, in my right? head of like this poor person that gave it one out of five stars. I just think it's silly. Like, oh, I spent some time there. Therefore, I know, I know my way all, around. I know all about the food. Yeah, I uh, I was in London for a while. Let, let me tell you all about British food. <laughs> I visited Germany. Let me tell you all about German food. Yeah. I am the expert. My band once opened up for the Scorpions. Let me tell you about German food. (laughs) I think I know a thing or two. All right. And then uh, the second uh, critical review comes from someone named Madden, M-A-D-A-N. And they also gave it one out of five stars and said, uninspiring. For starters, low quality printing on low quality paper. Ooh. How about that? And then uh, pictures are dark and sans detail. In fact, most pictures look like some food dark thrown onto a plate. Any plate. (laughs) (laughs) I made a couple of dishes. Chicken satay for one. Completely unidimensional. Tons of sugar. Wait. I don't know if they meant to say undimensional or unidimensional as in like just one dimension. Well, you, yeah. But either huh, way, whatever. That's what they said unidimensional in there. And then uh, it says no nuanced flavors here. Cooked another chicken with curry leaves. Blew my head off with the amount of chili. This just isn't my cup of tea, either in terms of production or recipes. Whoa. Okay. So there you go. The gauntlet has been thrown. Well, well, we do not share those opinions. So no. we'll jump into our ranking, beginning with food photography and styling. What'd you have? Okay, so this one was like really tricky for me because I do have to say a lot of the food is brown and it's it's like hard to make brown food look beautiful. We struggle with that frequently yes. with our feed. And, but to me, like it felt very authentic. If you look at the props and like the backgrounds, you'll see them, you'll see the same ones like popping in, you know, in heavy rotation. Yes. You know, it's like, okay, so we're going to throw this uh, crease tablecloth down and use it as a, a, like something to do a flat lay on. And then, yeah. and then the same one will show up as a backdrop. Um but actually, I kind of like really appreciate that because, I mean, you can only have so many backdrops. Yep. And, and to me, it felt like these photos were taken in someone's home or in restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, because of that, I feel like some of the lighting is off a little bit. Some of them looked a little like like you added a retro filter to them. Yeah. Um, and then there was one other thing that I noticed that the photographers seemed to like to do was use like 
stacks of plates, stacks of bowls. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't catch that. Yeah. Well, and, and, and oh, and I gave it a th- I gave it a three point five. Okay. So well, and I, I would say any astute follower of ours would probably see a lot of repetition on on our feed Absolutely. as far as like backdrops. Oh, and, yeah. You know, I mean, we we do what we can, but this is a this is a small operation. We don't have a props department or no. professional, you know, photography and styling and all that. So, um, you know, I can relate to that. Um, I give it a four. Okay. Um, colors were a bit saturated on the photography. Lots of shadows, which kind of alludes to what you were saying with the lighting and stuff. I feel like a lot of it was probably like natural light, perhaps, or just something that was giving off some really strong shadows. Um, maybe smartphone, don't you think? Well, I don't know, because I do all my stuff on my phone. Yeah. And- it was tough to say. Um, I almost thought initially that the author herself did all the photographer, but there was a photographer credited with the food photography in the book. And then okay. I think a lot of the, what I would call like street photography uh-huh. and, and stuff from the travels to Indonesia was taken by the author. Okay. And I didn't even mention those. And those are beautiful photos. Yeah. Like it's like just photojournalism capturing the way of life and yeah. the markets and the restaurants and the so, buildings. So I guess the photography didn't, I, I didn't dislike it necessarily, but it is kind of unique. Yeah. There, there were, there were photos where I'd look at it and be like, Hmm. Yeah. And I could see how it can inspire like a reaction, either positive or negative from yeah. people like being kind of divisive. So take it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, design and layout. What did you give it? I gave it a four. Okay. Um, I like that it had both the Indonesian name of the dish as well as like the English translation, mm-hmm. which I think is often helpful when you're looking through a book and you're looking at unfamiliar dishes and you don't speak the language and, you know, you're trying to make sense of, you know, whether this is something you want to make or not. Um, each recipe, I don't know if you saw that it, it contains like the origin. So if it came from like java or like a specific yeah area, you know and then there would be, there'd be other times when i would say this is popular all over indonesia mm-hmm. um it would also give you like kind of a ranking for like chili heat so you could tell if something was spicy or not and then also but if there was no chili in it they didn't include yes that, so. yes and then um as typical in most books it would it would give you like the yield and and how much the dish makes so you could just kind of plan accordingly so i i thought those little handy rankings were were helpful um everything's in metric measurements just so people are aware um which isn't a concern for us we can we can do the math but uh (laughs) you know if you're looking for uh you know the the standard uh, america measurements don't look here um, chapters were divided into, I thought some pretty interesting categories like savory snacks, uh, soups and rice, vegetables, tofu and tempeh, mm-hmm. fish and seafood, poultry and eggs. So it made it pretty easy. If you had some specific dietary restrictions, like you're vegetarian or something, you could kind of jump to a particular section and, and get some ideas. There's also um, an entire chapter devoted to sambal. Yes. Which, uh, I mean, there's, it sounds like there's just like almost limitless variations throughout Indonesia. Well, I'm sure every family has, you know, every family has their own little recipe that's been passed down. So, well, and for those that don't know, sambal would be the equivalent of like ketchup or something or or salt and pepper almost in the, in the Western world. Everyday condiment. Yep. 
So, um, what'd you have it for design and layout? I gave it a 3.5 and seriously, pretty much everything you just said is what I have written down here. So, um, all right. This meeting is adjourned. (laughs) Good talk. Uh, degree of difficulty. I gave it a 2.5. Um, nothing that we made was like too difficult, uh, that, um, the, uh, Chicken Soto was the only thing that I thought was kind of labor intensive. That's but, essentially like a ramen. Yeah. Yeah. But there were no like tricky cooking techniques, no uh, specialty equipment that you needed. Yeah. Um, the directions were really clear. Uh, so yeah, 2.5. Nice. Uh, I gave it a three. Okay. Uh I felt a few of the items or ingredients might be a challenge to source depending on your location and mm. what you have access to. But aside from that, I, I didn't think technically like there was anything that was super difficult okay. for the home cook. But I just thought, you know, things like curry leaves and things like that, that we've sometimes had trouble finding, um, uh, you might have to do some substitutes. But I don't think... With this book, I think you could easily substitute most ingredients for something similar enough to where you could still make the dish mm-hmm. and it wouldn't suffer greatly from it. So, I agree. Yeah. Um, taste, I gave it a five. Yeah. Like I thought everything that we made was really damn tasty. Yep. Um, the levels of heat, when, you know, when, when a recipe says gives when they give the like level of heat they're being very truthful with it yes um and so just you know when you're cooking from this just know what kind of heat level you are comfortable with and then proceed accordingly you you know if don't make something that you're going to think is too hot just because the recipe says so yes you know eat, eat what's comfortable for you exactly um, I gave it a five as well. All right. Same reason. Enjoyed everything. Heat level was great and accurate in all the dishes. And uh, this was this was a great book. So there you go. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review. You can find us on the web at wecookbooks.com, as well as Instagram at we underscore cook underscore books, and Facebook at wecookbooks. Uh, Production assistance was provided by Danny Schaefer. Thank you, Danny. All right. You know what time it is. I got a good one for you. Okay. Bring it on. All right. This this, is, I got to set it up though. This is a, this is a bit of a story. So, you know, put on something comfy. Pour yourself a drink. Um, this guy, he's sitting in a bar. He's having a drink. He's hanging out. And uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he hears this voice that says, uh, Hey, mister, that's a great tie. And he looks a little confused, looks around, doesn't see anyone, shrugs his shoulders and just continues to sit and enjoy his drink. Um, and then he hears another voice and it's like, Hey, mister, you got a nice haircut. Again, he looks around, he doesn't see anyone, goes back to having his drink. And then one more, he hears another voice. It's like, hey, mister, you sure are handsome. And you know, at this point, he's getting a little creeped out by this. And he's like looking around. The bartender finally comes over and is like, hey, buddy, are you okay? You seem a little anxious. And the guy's like, yeah, I keep hearing these voices. And they're saying these nice things, but I'm not seeing anyone. And the bartender's like, oh, that's okay. Those are just the complimentary peanuts.
Okay, that had a long buildup, but yep. it was worth the it. Payoff was worth it. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Have a fantastic week. Wear a mask. <laughs>